0: Welcome to the iMoveU podcast. We have another guest episode today, Scott Willis from the PBA. Uh, hi, Scott, how are you?
1: I'm very good, Michael. Thanks for having me. No,
0: thanks for joining me. Could you, could you tell me about uh, your role and the PBA specifically and what your mission is with the PBA?
1: Yeah, so um, I've been in the the national chair role for the last four years, and and really PBA is um, is there to um, to really drive the advocacy and policy for private practitioners, um, trying to um, you know link up private practitioners um, in, with the profession, the um, physiotherapy for profession, but more globally with um, all the third party funders now, and you know the last twelve months really has opened our eyes because of all the reviews that have. That have been happening. So you had the Medicare um, review, you've had the private health insurance review, you've had the ACFI review, we've had the Department of Veteran Affairs review, we've had MDIS um, review. Um, so pr- pretty much every third party funding had a review in this last 12 months. So. Um, it's. I think it's an eye opener of what PBA can actually achieve um, for private practices out there for physiotherapy. I mean, so I think that's the the biggest thing, and, and then trying to make sure that private practitioners and, and private practice is sustainable for the long term. So what skills and what um, what longer term um, uh, strategies do private practitioners need to survive out there in in this expanding um, you know. Industry that's um it's probably going toward more towards that service industry rather than the uh, the health industry that we all probably started out with,
0: and like first of all thank you because you're you're really representing businesses aren't you out there against the third party insurers and representing the businesses uh, giving the businesses a voice when you're meeting with the universities as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So um, you know. From um, you know new graduates coming out into private practice, um, you know right through to you know third party funders to you know all your workers' compensation schemes Australia wide, your motor accident insurance schemes Australia wide. So we're really um, you know, looking at trying to be more proactive in that role rather than in the past we've been reactive. So, um, you know, and that's, that's probably thanks to the staff capability, the APA uh, pushing us to, to be more um, ready for these reviews and um, come up with some solutions instead of just saying we don't agree with them. Um, now what would we like? Now what's, what's the best practice that private practices want? Um, so that's what we've been really striving to push for our third party funders.
0: Awesome, and and tell me about that meeting that you sat at with the the heads of unis, and uh, you were specifically talking about new grads and you were you were mentioning a bit of a reality check. So tell the listeners how that conversation went went down, and then what you provided.
1: Yeah, look, um, we've been asking to um, to try and um, develop some type of. Um, communicate with the universities probably for the last four, four to five years, and it's eventually um, happened two weeks ago, where we had all the deans of the physiotherapy schools, as well as the educators, the um, the um, leads of the educators of all the universities Australia wide. Um, And we had them all in the same room um, together with a lot of business um, owners, um, businesses that take students um, and businesses that take new graduates um, together with PBA reps. So we really wanted to just nut out whether we all believe um, that the universities are bringing out new graduates ready for private practices. Um, And, you know, from our point of – from our um, um, talking to – uh, private practitioners and business owners is we don't believe that um, they're ready for um, for a lot of that private practice from day one, um, that they still need a lot of development in those soft skills and, um, and areas that probably don't get overly taught at university. Um, and like I said to you earlier, everything's flipped in the last 10 years, like go back 10 years ago. 40% of new graduates would come out into private practice, 60% would go into public, where now in um, this last year, 60% of new graduates are coming out into private practice, 40 okay. into public, and we believe that's going to increase, it's going to be nearly 70 to 30 um, probably in the next five years. So I don't think the universities um, have really stepped up to that plate. Um, They've done a very good job to date, but I think just by tweaking a few bits and pieces—not huge uh, curriculum changes—but just those soft skills, you know, those service industry skills—that I think as private practitioners, we really need to demonstrate our worth um, and our value to, to the customer, the consumer. Um, it's not all about just that best practice, and I think that's what we need to get through to our universities: how how they teach it, how they use their language um, to get get a, a care plan implemented um, throughout the, um, the journey of that patient. What do
0: you think the best solution is at, at the moment to help with that deficit in skill set?
1: I, I think we need some private practitioners, um, you know, like yourselves um, that have got that experience in in educating soft skills um, and how to implement that into the curriculum Um, so it's not just about adding another core um, element into the curriculum but more how do we embed it into um, how they're being taught it say, their practicals, how they're doing it in uni, like um, how they're going through, say, their assessment skills, how to deliver it, um, what the consumer wants mm. and what do they want out of their, their session rather than what we think they want. Um, so I think it's those types of things that we need embedded. So it's, it's not a huge curricular change. It's just these... Um, this language and the consumer driven um, soft skills that we, we need them to, um, to understand. So, I think it's more they need to just come and um, talk to us and all the, the practice owners that are really developing these skills very well.
0: How do you feel that message was received from the audience that you had there?
1: It was quite a robust discussion, I think. It just opened everyone's eyes because we, we also learnt some things from the universities about some of the competencies um, that they need to, to get to, um, how they assess those competencies, how they deliver them. Um, so I think we, we at the end of it, it was funny, we all split into different groups and we all came back with exactly the same outcomes and the, and the same... Um, a way forward I suppose of, um, of how to really get to that next level so I think that really demonstrated that the whole room was on the same page right. um, and the discussions have already started two weeks after the the summit um, you know, we have got some action happening already so which is quite quite good to see because I didn't know what to what to expect when I went into this meeting and um, and um, and how it would Received.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Can we be privy to the action or is that still underground? No, no, no. Yeah.
1: Some, some, of the, just the, some of the general actions, like um, some of the listeners might have actually seen some communique coming out about students in private practice to start with. And the third party funders not wanting students to have any involvement, active involvement in their care. Mm. Um, so I think we need to you know, get that communique out. We need to get some independent legal advice as well. Um, we've we've sent out emails and um, contacted every third-party funder in Australia, so it's taken us like six to nine months to do that, as you yeah. would um, understand the complexities of it because every health fund has got their own rules, every third-party funder has their own rules, every government organisation has their own rules. So we've got that information back, but we want to try and go out to a legal expert to see... Now, is it really legal um, and can students still have some type of physical involvement in that um, practical um, area? So that's one thing is getting some legal advice and get a communique up to everyone so they understand the legal obligations.
0: Yeah, massive.
1: Um, yeah, the second thing would be to, what do private practices require to take students and then looking at the new graduate um Um, next step as well so how do the universities and private practices work together so I think we need to do some more modeling on what's the best student experience how does it work in private practice compared to the public system we had um, three examples of completely different from small to medium to large businesses taking students so how do we get that out um, to um, private practices that that are going to take students but also then maybe take new graduates Yeah. Um, as well so and then looking at how do we get the next our next graduates ready for private practice so so um you know what what elements do we need to instill into the curriculum into the teachings um how can private practice um add to that value add to it and things like that so they're the the um the things that have come out of it already um that is yeah the contact that we've had is quite positive
0: do you think that it will eventually be as part of the standard university degree. I think it will, but it's going to take time. Or do you think these private companies and the rise of, say, iMoveU, private practice prepared, I think there's physio mentor. um, I think uh, Nicholas Schuster has a private practice and a training. I'm I'm acutely aware, having started iMoveU, that I'm so passionate about getting to the unis and spreading that message, but at the same time, if the uni decides to include it in their curriculum, then there won't be much space for all these private companies that have risen. Uh, how do you see that going?
1: I'm, ho- I'm hoping that um, you know the likes like um, you know yourselves and physio mental actually demand change Mm -hmm. in the university so i think that's going to drive it um and i'm hoping that the university see the value in it and and then um maybe contact you guys to provide that um or to add to the curriculum so get employed or, you know, from a contractor point of view to come in and and, um, oversee some of these changes that are required in the curriculum. So, I think there's a win-win for both sides. I still think that there's going to be post-grad areas where you still need to shore up skills. Yeah. Um, You know, just like any, like, you know, we still need... you know, your mulligan techniques and, you know, McKenzie and things like that. You might get taught it at uni, but you still need that specific skill set to, um, to develop even further. Like, um, you know, the soft skills at postgrad, I think that um, they'll still be required, um, but hopefully it just drives the university to um, to see the value that, um, that needs to happen at the, new, at the undergraduate level as well.
0: Yeah, that that would be the ideal scenario. I think uh, that that would be amazing for everyone. I wanted to take you back to something here and uh, link it to how how long have you been a physio for, Scott?
1: I've been a physio for twenty five years now.
0: Awesome, and you also have a business called Coastal Physiotherapy in Tasmania.
1: That's correct. Yes, yes, awesome. so it's Quite a it's in a rural area, so um, it's quite a wide generalist, but with very specific um, areas that we um, we specialise in as well.
0: Yeah. Um, Tasmania being the rural area or in a rural area of Tasmania?
1: Yeah, in a rural area of Tasmania. So we're on the northwest coast, up near Burnie um, on the northwest coast. That
0: was a Sydney joke, mate. Sorry. It was a low blow. <laughs> I, come, I come from <laughs> Sydney. So,
1: um, I've been down here for 25 years, so I'm a bit slower now. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing perspective because I, I think we're trapped as physios between being a service industry and being a healthcare, which is the quote you, you delivered before we jumped on. But I think we are trapped between trying to be really evidence-based, but deep down knowing we need to provide a service that may not be evidence-based at the start and finding the balance. With your experience and being a fellow business owner and having employees, how are you managing that balance? How are you going about that? Yeah, so we
1: um, we really invest heavily in um, in our staff training um, throughout uh, throughout when they first start, continuously, um, you know, right through you know, every two weeks we have a, a staff meeting in service and, and one of the um, main things we discuss is that um, that patient journey, that ideal patient journey and, and our KPIs that reflect that as well. So I think um, from 25 years ago when I graduated to now, there's a huge difference of one, keeping KPIs, um, two, acknowledging that we need the ideal patient journey, yeah. um, and three that the consumer um, demands now with Google, um, with you know YouTube and um, and everything else that's out there, that they are demanding that you do what they want, um, and they want results. Um, so you might follow best practice, um, and if they're not on board, if. if Right from the get go, thirty percent less chance of actually getting them, um, you know, better, yeah. and and probably even more. And they're not going to come back. So I think um, you know you've got to balance up that best practice with um, with what they perceive they uh, they require so it might be our tendinopathy we all know don't touch the tendinopathy um but if they are expecting some type of hands-on manual massage or manual therapy you may need to do something to get them on board to follow that best practice you can't just say sorry i'm not going to do that it's, it's not best practice if i do that um patients won't come back um, and from my experience that's what happens and especially with new graduates that come out is they're all focused on that that um, that best practice which is fine but how do you deliver it how do you get the patient to follow it how do you get the consumer to follow it and be one of your biggest advocates um, talking in the community to um, to sing your praises
0: it's it really is a lot about understanding the human the brain and human psychology to get them to that evidence-based and that that we're trying to teach in a day it could be a three-year degree by itself um, so I, nice. I understand the practicality and reality for universities in making that happen uh, so I think I was at Kermit Ray's course on the weekend and what you just said reminded me uh, he quoted Buddha which said show them the illusion and then teach them the reality which is I think that's what we have to do with our new grads right? Yep, definitely. So um, I might throw a Buddha quote into I move you. How about that? <laughs> I like it. Um, I wanted to ask you, Scott, you said KPIs that reflect patient journey. Could you share what KPIs you think um, reflect patient journey?
1: Yeah, so um, we, we keep quite a few different KPIs. Um, and one of our, our biggest ones that we look at is, is not just new patients, but new episodes that patients come back with a new condition. Mm. Um, I think if... Um, you're not getting patients coming back with a new episode, then you're doing something wrong um, because they may be going somewhere else. Um, The other ones are all your cancellations. Um, So cancellations without rebooking, cancellations with bookings, and then you do not attend. Yeah. Um, So so I think that really reflects um, what the patient is experiencing, how they value your service, how they value, you in the pecking order of, oh, I've got a plumber coming, um, I can't come to physio, um, no, I, I've got a hair appointment, um, that type of thing. So if they are saying those types of things, I think your delivery is, um, is not, not optimal. Um, so... I think that's probably the biggest thing that we've learnt um, from a KPI point of view, and we've been doing it for the last four years, so we've, we can track them and see if there's any trends happening um, and the reasons behind and um, why they're cancelling or not, not turning up and things like that. So they're probably the main things that we really, really look at um, because I think that really demonstrates the patient journey and whether they value and appreciate your service.
0: That's awesome. And I'm thinking practically if you're measuring those numbers which reflect patient journey and they're not going the right way, what is your response as a mentor?
1: Yeah, so we, we sit down and um, and actually talk about, like especially if we can see a little trend um we keep uh, the reasons um, and write them down of why patients like cancel or if they don't turn up, we get our admin staff to ring them and um, say, you know, you, you've missed your uh, your appointment. Uh, we're very, very concerned about your rehab. Um, we just want to make sure that you're still on the rehab plan um, and, you know, why didn't you turn up type of thing. So we keep that and if there's any trends, um, we can actually – um, deal with that with individual therapists that there might be just one therapist that's um, that's not quite getting it right so it might, might be their delivery, it might be their language um, how they're delivering it it might be you know, simple things like I'll see how it goes and give us a ring if there's any, um, if you think it needs another go instead of saying okay the next session this is what we're going to do to get you 100% so it doesn't come back and bite you in the bum the next time um, and things like that so that's what it usually comes down to, the language. And then they're, they're, they're um, hand over to the reception staff as well. Um, so we will actually um, ask the admin staff uh, what's the handover been like in the last you no know, X amount of weeks if we've seen a little spike and that. Um, so then we can go and uh, mentor the, the particular therapist. of so, okay, we've just... I notice that you're starting to get a few more of these patients not turning up or cancelling. Um, just remember, go through your process again. Has there been anything that's happened in your personal life or anything like that or um, anything that we can do to assist? Um, just trying to show them and demonstrate how important that, that, um, that language really is and give them examples. So we role play quite a bit as well.
0: Oh, yeah, I love that. I think role play definitely needs to become a standard in our weekly mentoring. Uh, Some of the coaching I'm doing at the moment is very, uh, the businesses I'm coaching are very focused on technical skill and what I'm trying to introduce on a weekly basis is the role play, particularly around that last five minutes of a consult. One thing I noticed you said there was uh, delivery, language, communication and handover, none of those are technical ability. Uh, as in special testing or manual therapies, yeah. and you you were talking about KPIs that reflect a patient journey. So there's a big there's a big gap there, isn't there?
1: Definitely, a huge gap. And they're the things that they're the soft skills that we are trying to get the unis to understand. Like I can remember one meeting about two years ago uh, with the unis. They said, Scott, you keep talking about these soft skills. Why do we need to teach a student differently from a public to a private um, setting? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went through those things of, you know, patient journey, the um, the handover, um, the communication, the you know, the the communicate with the with the consumer, their expectations, our expectations, the room went very quiet. Very very quiet. So I think that point, I think the light went off. Um, I was hoping it did, um, because from that point, I think that's when we started to get a little bit more buy-in, um, you know, with our with our student and new graduate um, issues with the universities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's something that will change. I know it will, and it's you know it's the reason yep. I wanted to speak to you and the rise of these uh, companies teaching these softer skills and the conversations you're having with the universities, it it will change. Um, I wanted to just thank you for giving the businesses a voice and the work you're doing. um, And thank you for sharing your story. We are out of time, but I think there'll be a part two, three, four and five to this conversation. And uh, we'll post this up in PBA and in iMoveU, I believe beautiful Awesome thank you for joining and sharing your story and your wisdom there Scott I really appreciate it I know the audience well.